All right, we're going to talk about today, Joseph, Joseph. We're kind of going through some of the Old Testament fellers and the, the Bible. And um, we can't give you all the details because you never get through the Bible. Uh, maybe not in your lifetime. So we kind of hit high spots. And then hopefully create an interest where you'll go back later and during the week, you'll read more of the stories in between. And so I just try to kind of give you some kind of a guideline. But what I wanted to do today in starting off, I wanted you to see that God had a plan. See, God already knew what God was going to do. And it's amazing how God does it. And if you were Joseph and he hadn't told you anything, it might discourage you a little bit. And yet behind the scenes, God was working. So take your Bible and turn to the book of Psalms, 105th Psalm. You say, well, what in the world are you going to find out about Joseph in the 105th Psalm? I knew you was going to ask that, so I'm going to show you. So in the 105th Psalm, and while you turn into there, before we get started, let's have a word of prayer, shall we? Our Father, we do thank you so much for giving us a great week, opportunities, and the privilege of serving you. We ask now, Lord, your blessings upon the study of your word. And, and Father, for the study of Joseph, that we can see and understand just a little bit more about how you work in his life and also in ours. And to believe it, to trust it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God is rehearsing some things that he had done for the nation of Israel. Tell them how you got started. Always remember where you came from. And then he tells them all the things that he did, working behind the scenes to protect Israel. Because he had made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So I want you to look there where he says in verse 11. Look in verse 11. Saying unto thee will I give the land of Canaan, the lot of your inheritance. Now God owns the earth. He owned the land of Canaan. And can't God give whatever he wants to whoever he wants? It's his. That's what he says. So then he says in verse 12, when they were but few men in number, yea, very few, and strangers in it, when they went from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another people, in verse 14, he suffered no man to do them wrong. He wouldn't permit it. Yea, he reproved kings for their sakes. Talking about Israel and Abraham and Isaac. and What God did protected them because Jesus was going to be born of this line. So God had to watch over and preserve these individuals and what people said and so forth about them. He had made a promise that I'll bless them that bless thee. I'll curse them that curse you. And so God, God was working. Look what he says. He says in verse 15, saying, touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. Hmm. So this is why it's a warning. God says, Leave my man alone. And verse 16, moreover, he called for a famine upon the land. He broke the whole staff of bread. God said he did all of that because it's his world. But God works behind the scene. All you see is a famine. You see a, a tornado, a hurricane. You see this and that and the other. But are we supposed to believe that God is in charge? He's on the throne. He knows what's going on. Well, the Bible says he does. And so God has a, a, a perfect will of his own. And he doesn't tell us everything. God, no doubt, 
If these things are true, He is working in your life, but He doesn't tell you everything that He's doing. He's doing things that causes you to learn certain lessons that maybe you don't want to learn. He doesn't always ask us, do you want to know this? Do you want to know this? And God puts you sometime in places where you are forced to learn. Sometimes He creates things that happen in your life that forces you to pray to Him. God gets you in certain positions, places, so that you might be the testimony or witness to somebody. Just say just the right thing to somebody. Don't believe that nobody knows I'm alive. God does. And then nobody knows where I am. God does. And God is working. But look what he says. In verse 7, he sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant. Wait a minute. Didn't God know that he was going to be sold? He knew that in advance. Did he know how his brothers were going to treat him? God uses the envying of those brothers. He even used Jacob, his daddy's comments. He even used Joseph's giving an evil report about his brothers. Do you, when you had a you know, brother and sister, did, did you like them being tattletales? You do something wrong, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell. You better not tell, I'll get you. And so nobody appreciated a tattletale, tattling on you. And most people don't even like it today, do you? You tattletale. And so it means somebody squealed. And so Joseph did some of that. And you say, well, I didn't know he did that. Well, doggy. Well, see that in just a minute. But the Bible says God sent a man. But how did he send him? Look what God did in the life of Joseph to get him where he wanted him to be. God wanted Joseph in Egypt. And God was going to create a storm. And buddy, did he ever. And then you have Jacob, his dad, and his brothers years later coming down into Egypt. God had already prepared a place food, everything that they would need to grow into a big nation. God says, he did, look what he says. He says in verse 18, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in irons. God took him from a pit and put him into a prison and later on put him into a palace. I mean, God did that. But look what he says. But see, God doesn't force people to do what he wants them to do, he will make you wish you had of, but you can always rebel against him. See, there's times that God can use people's rebellion to him to show his wrath upon, and God can use you as an instrument of mercy and grace if you serve him. So God can use all kinds of people to accomplish his purpose. God can even take the wrong that you do and use it for something. Have you ever had a kid mess up and you say, I'm going to teach you a lesson. I'm going to make an example out of you. You say, I don't want to be an example. And because of what you did to this one, sent a warning to the rest of them. When my two sisters got whooped by Mr. Pellegrine up in Manor, Pennsylvania, when they went to Manor High School, when they were in junior high, it sent a message to me, Yankee, you better behave yourself. Don't make Mr. Pellegrine mad. And lo and behold, it wasn't long before I was taken to the boiler room, and he cleaned my plow. I mean, I had big old tears. I thought I was being murdered. I still think I was. I think I died that day. 
But you'd be surprised. God works. Look what else he says. In verse 19, until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. You're always being tried, tested. That's why in the New Testament, you'll see a scripture that says, the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold and silver, though it be tried with fire, may be found unto praise, honor, and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So God says we're all being tried. Your faith is on trial. You say, I love the Lord. And God will test that and see whether you do or don't. I'll be willing to do anything you want. You'd be surprised. Some people, they dedicated their lives to the Lord years and years and years ago. And they forget all about it. Somebody didn't forget. And that's God. And God sometimes will have a way of reminding you. But I love it down through here because he goes down and he makes some strong statements. How that he brought them up. See there in verse 23. Israel also came into Egypt and Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham. And he increased his people greatly, made them stronger than their enemies. And then look in verse 25. He turned their hearts to hate his people. God made Egypt hate his people. But God will allow them and how they think and accomplish His will. Because God will let you love and hate according to your choice. But God will use it for His honor and glory. And then He talks about all the things that He did. And then in verse 26, He sent Moses. And Moses was used by God to bring him out. Now go back there to the book of Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. So as you read the story of Joseph, I wanted you to see God working behind the scenes. God allows things to happen. And you wonder, why does God allow this? Because God may have a bigger plan. And God can use the rebellion of other people to teach you and drive you closer to the Lord. Look what he says in verse 2. Verse 2. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph being 17 years old. So you know he was just a teenager, 17 years old, feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhad and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph, get this, brought unto his father their evil report. We don't have down what that evil report was. But evidently, it's a possibility Joseph had something to tell about his brothers. Now, do you think that is going to sit very well with his brothers? So, little by little, the things that happened created a problem. Now, does God know this problem exists? Yes. Envying was terrible. So, it says there in verse 3, it says, Now Israel, Jacob, loved Joseph more than all of his children. See anything wrong with that? You see anything wrong with that? So daddy is doing a no-no. You shouldn't try to convince one child you love that child more than the other children. What does that create? When I knew, when I knew my dad loved my sister more than he loved me, I didn't like my dad. Because I knew what my daddy was, and I knew my sister would play up to my dad. 
She could get him to do anything she wanted. She was only a year and a half older than me. But she could manipulate my dad. And all she had to do was say, Yankee, and he'd take his belt off, and buddy, he'd tear me up. It didn't have to be true. I didn't even get a defense. It was just, if my sister said it, I'm guilty. And buddy, I got a lot of whippings that I never deserved. But you know, my, my sister, I led her to the Lord later. She's in heaven now. I'm glad she's in heaven. When I get up there, she's not going to be mean to me anymore. And I'm not going to be mad at her anymore. No, the Lord can change all those things. But now notice what he says here. Verse 3. Because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. Oh boy, something special. Would that create bitterness and anger and envying in his brothers? It did. In verse 4. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, what did it say? They what? They hated him. But remember, God has a plan. God wants to take his people and get them down into Egypt so that they can have the best of the fertile land and they can grow there and become mighty. And then when God is ready, those people in Egypt were turned against them. But remember now, they've got to go into a desert. So they begin to have to work hard and make things without, you know, grass or making bricks. Don't you know that these people that were slaves, they must have been in pretty good shape physically. They had to work hard and they're in good shape. And then when they went into the desert, it says their clothes never wore out. Can you imagine your wife wearing the same dress for 40 years? Honey, I'll get you another one when that one wears out. <laughs> wearing the same shoes. The Bible says that. For 40 years. But God had to get them in shape. And then they left. And then for being a slave, he had them spoil the Egyptians. He made it so bad, they were willing to give them silver and gold and all kind of precious stone just to get them out of there. So they left and they were finally paid for all those years of labor. And God used all of that because he had to have gold and silver for the temple that was going to be made. So they left rich. God had a plan. It was all about his people Israel. But now God's got to get them down there. But why don't God, okay, I, I want you down there, pick you up. and put you. But God doesn't go against you. Well, he lets you make decisions. And because of their hatred, which... If they were spiritually minded, they could have overlooked that. And they didn't have to get bitter just because daddy loved him more. But you see, God used their wrong decisions to accomplish his purpose. God doesn't make us do things that are wrong. God allow us to do things that are wrong, but he can use that. You may have to pay a price. God may have to chasten you. Because of what Jacob did and causing his brothers to, to hate him so, and yet maybe Joseph hadn't done that much bad. He just told them what they did and gave an evil report. It wasn't a good one. But you think, after all of those things that have happened, here's Jacob. Did he ever pay a price for his bad decision? For about 25, 30 years, you know, he mourned for his son. 
He mourned because he thought he was dead. He thought he was dead. And his brothers wouldn't tell him the truth. And he mourned. He said, I'm going to go down to the grave in mourning because of this. So he says there in verse 4, the last part, and they could not speak peaceably unto him. Joseph dreamed a dream and told it to his brothers, and they loved him yet the more. Is that what it says? No, they hated him the more. He had a dream. Wait a minute. He had a dream. Who gave him this dream? God. Didn't God know if he gave him this dream what Joseph was going to say? And if he knew what they was going, he was going to say, didn't he know how they were going to feel? But that doesn't mean God did anything wrong and gave him a dream because the dream was true. And the problem that Joseph had that they really didn't like, Joseph believed the dream. He's telling a story, a dream, about what's going to happen. And so he dreamed this dream. In verse 6, And he said unto them, Here I pray thee, this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood around about and made obeisance to my sheep. In other words, they bowed to mine. He may not have understood what in the world the dream meant. But it's simple that his brothers did. See there in verse 8. His brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed another dream. Make it a little bit worse. And now that was with the brother. Now let's add mama and daddy in here too. And he dreamed yet another dream and told it to his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed yet another dream. Behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me, bowed to me. And he told it to his father and his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee, to the earth? Well, let me ask you a question. Did they? It was years and years later. But they couldn't see how in the world do you think that's ever going to happen. That'll never happen. So a way to keep that from happening is the, the brothers begin to talk. And when they begin to talk, they thought bad things, said bad things, and were going to do something bad. What did they decide to do? Not just sell them. They're going to do something else before that. They were going to kill him. Now you imagine they hated him that bad that they were willing to kill, 11 of them, willing to kill Joseph. You say, well, they wouldn't have done that. Look down there in verse 11. And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying. So now they had gone to get something to, you know, watching the flocks, different places, second. So he Daddy tells his son, he says, uh, go up there and see how they're doing. And uh, so he sent him some stuff there. And he says in verse 14, he said to him, go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren and with the flocks and bring me word again. So he sent him. Now, wait a minute. Does God know where the brothers are? Yeah. Does God know what the brothers are going to plan on doing to him? Yeah. And God Let's Jacob tell him to go see his brothers. Duh. 
Why would God do that? I mean, God's letting this happen. Have you ever thought that if you love the Lord and you want to serve the Lord, why does God allow you to go through all that suffering and pain as a result of somebody else's bad decisions? And you suffer the consequences. The Lord does tell you, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try us, as though some strange thing has happened unto you. And then he also makes a statement, it's better to suffer for well-doing than for wrongdoing. If, at least if you're going to suffer, let it be because somebody else did you wrong, not because you did wrong. You just got to keep doing what's right and trust the Lord to bless you. So anyway, when he got there, he didn't know exactly where they were, and so somebody had to tell him, and they said, well, what, what are you seeking? He said, oh, they went to another place, Dothan. So he goes over there, and look in verse 18. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. I preached a sermon years ago, Have a Dream. That was before Martin Luther King. But have a dream. And a dream big, because God's a big God. But sometimes God will kind of give you an idea of what he wants you to do. Sometimes he never tells you anything. And he just works in your life and brings people in, problems, all kind of stuff. You just keep doing right. And trust the Lord to put you where he wants, to let happens to you. what I've seen some people, something happens to them and they become bitter. They get bitter. Because look at this, I got to go through or live with it. I don't have money. I don't have this. I don't have health. Doesn't God know that? Doesn't God allow some of these things? Now, if it's decisions you made that were wrong decisions, you can always say, Lord, I, I was wrong. And would you forgive me? But always be checking your attitude. Your attitude can do you in. And God can, and you'll, 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 you'll rob yourself of peace and joy and so forth. And you'll, you'll, you'll have a, you ever heard about Jonah? They said when you get down in the dumps, when you get down in the mouth, remember he came out all right. But sometimes you're going to get down, down, down. They used to say, you know, where did the long ranger take his garbage? To the dump, to the dump, to the dump, dump, dump. The best way to stay out of the dump. Where is he? Well, he's down in the dumps. But now, they conspired, let's kill him. But there was one, Reuben. He said, let's, let's don't kill him. Uh, let's put him in a pit. Because he had plans that he'll come back later and, and get Joseph out of there. But the thing is that they, they agreed to do that, so they didn't kill him. But evidently Reuben was doing something else. And so in verse 24, and they took him and cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty and there was no water in it. They sat down to eat bread and they lifted up their eyes and looked. And behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead. Just a coincidence. They were going to kill him. Now if they had killed him, wait a minute. God had a plan. God was going to send a man down into Egypt. God said he did it. He sent him down there. But he's using, look at the circumstances to get it done. And so they put him in a pit. Well, he'd have died there. So far they didn't kill him. Now that he's in a pit, 
They didn't kill him. Ishmaelites came by. Hey, let's sell him. So they sold him to the Ishmaelites. And they were on their way. So in verse 26, And Judas said unto his brethren, What profit it is if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let us not have our hands be upon him. For he is our brother and our flesh. And his brethren were content. Isn't that wonderful? This sin is not as bad as the other sin. You know, they put him in a pit. He would have died naturally. Somebody else would have done it. Or he would have just starved to death. But at least they didn't kill him. So that's not as bad as actually killing him. So each time it's, well, one sin is not as bad as the other sin. So they have a less sin now. So they're just going to sell him. Well, isn't it possible they could have killed him? He could have taken him down into Egypt and they could have killed him. And look at all the things that happened to this poor fellow. And what great wrong had he done? Did he deserve to die? Did he deserve this treatment? I don't think so. But look what had happened to him. So you'll notice there in verse 28, Then there passed by Midianite merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit, sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. You know, that sounds a little familiar, don't it? Somebody being sold of their own brethren, sold for a price. You remember a story about Judas? You ever heard of him before? Who betrayed the Lord and sold him for some silver? Just a coincidence. This is just a, yeah, but it's a, a story that teaches. It's a type of Jesus Christ who is betrayed by his brothers. And coming to his own people. But he's going into another land. And one day we're going to be taken to another land. Jesus Christ. You can follow stories through the Old Testament. And you can see Christ here and Christ there and so forth. There are types in which to teach by so it's an interesting thing.